I'm excited for a brand new series here at Vertical. God did some great things in our last series, Pray Bold. But we move on to something fresh now for the month of November that is essential, relevant in our day. History is filled with moments that were line in the sand moments. When believers took a stand, when believers drew a line and said, this far and no more. When believers refused to compromise and when believers stood regardless of the cost, in those moments, great damage is done to the rulers of darkness. In that moment, the kingdom of God advances. In that moment, the gospel has its greatest power. And in that moment, the course of history is changed when God's people choose to stand strong. The Bible tells us of the need for things like that when it says, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. It comes with the territory. It's part of who we are. It's part of what we do. We face it. We don't see it as God against us. We see it as God with us in the moment, standing strong. It's why Joshua would say, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is essential for us as believers in our day to have that same kind of spirit, that same kind of willingness to stand for truth. In 1512, Martin Luther made that kind of stand member of the Roman Catholic Church, he began to search the scriptures as he saw what the Roman Catholic Church was doing at the time and recognized that what they were practicing was based not on what the Bible says, but on what church history had recorded for them. So Martin Luther stood against things like praying to the saints who had died. Nowhere in the Bible are we taught to pray to those who have departed. We have one mediator between God and man, and that is Jesus alone. Luther recognized this and stood against it. He also stood against the belief of the immaculate conception that Mary somehow became sinless and her state changed to perfection when she was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Martin Luther stood against that. She was not made perfect. She was used by God and redeemed. She did not become a savior in that moment. Martin Luther stood against praying to Mary. The Catholic prayer says, to you we cry, the children of Eve. To you we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this land of exile. Turn then, most gracious advocate, your eyes of mercy toward us and lead us home at last. Mary is not who we pray to. It is Jesus whom we pray to or through to the Father. Amen? Amen? The Catholic Church taught transubstantiation. The belief that at communion, that the bread and the wine actually become the body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus as you eat and drink it. Nowhere in scripture do we have that described for us. It was Catholic church tradition. Martin Luther stood against infant baptism. Baptism is for the believer. The Catholic church teaches that infant baptism guarantees a child, even as early as three months of age, salvation and eternal standing with God through the act of baptism. The scripture does not teach that. Salvation comes by faith of the individual. Baptism is merely a picture that follows that act of faith. Amen? Amen. The Catholic Church taught indulgences, the practice of paying off judgment for sin by doing good deeds or donating monies. The Catholic Church taught and teaches the Pope as the authority that the Catholic Church is the only true church, they would say, and the Pope is uh, in the line of Peter in the New Testament and stands as the authority who speaks on behalf of the entire true church. The Bible does not teach that. Jesus is the head of the church and he has called local churches to function under Jesus' lordship alone as head, not an individual on earth. Martin Luther stood against all of these and said, those are not part of scripture. And I stand on this truth and he was called in one day by the Catholic Church because they threatened him because of what he was saying. 
They threatened excommunication and they threatened his death if he did not recant of the things he was saying. Martin Luther said this and I quote, unless therefore I am convinced by the testimony of scripture or by the clearest reasoning, unless I am persuaded by means of the passages I have quoted and unless they render my conscience bound by the word of God, I cannot and will not retract for it is unsafe for a Christian to speak against his conscience. Here I stand, I can do no other, may God help me. Luther stood on the belief that the Bible alone is truth, not anything else. And Luther used the phrase, scripture or sola scriptura, scripture alone, truth alone by scripture. In our series, we're gonna be talking about the foundations of the faith because what Martin Luther did when he made that stand he began what we now get to enjoy and experience, even in church, he began the Protestant Reformation. The churches that would believe that truth comes from the Bible. Grace comes by faith alone. All glory is to go to God. And this is what we build our foundation on as the people of God. So we begin our series today with a message about the scripture. Our message is called Truth, by scripture alone. The world is in a phase of uh, deconstruction. The world is attempting to rewrite, redefine, and redo life as we know it. It's happening in our own land. And it's not just happening outside the walls of church. That movement has moved into the walls of the church where some believers are beginning to deconstruct the once long-held truths of scripture and rewriting truth, practice, in order to fit the culture of the day instead of standing firm on the word of God. So this message, this series is essential for us. It's essential that we drive a stake in the ground and say, here is what we believe and we will not be moved. Now, I already know there are gonna be questions that come up during this message and series. Just, just a few people I've talked with already about it. The questions just start coming. I think, great. That's awesome. I love all of that. I'm going to give you a format for how you can deal with your questions. So I'm going to show you a QR code on screen. If you want to get your phone out and your camera, you can point it at this. It will take you to our app. And you can there list a question that you have. I'm not going to address it in today's message. But you can list it, send it to me. I'll get it. And then what we will do is we will use those questions to format our podcast that comes out this week. I'm not gonna use your name. You don't have to worry about that. You'll remain, remain anonymous. That'll be fine. But we will answer the questions and let that format our podcast this week. By the way, I'd encourage you to check out this past week's podcast. Uh, we answered the question on there. Are there modern day prophets? It's an important question for us as Christians to consider. So, uh, here we go today on this idea of truth by scripture alone. You know, truth, just by its own definition, demands a singular answer. It demands that there be one answer, not many, that there is a fixed reality, not many, that it is immovable, it is unchanging. You cannot have a subject that has multiple truths to it. There's one truth and one truth alone. For example, the truth is two plus two is four. Right? That's truth. It doesn't matter if you feel that two plus three is four. That doesn't make it your truth. That doesn't make it true. Because you feel two plus three ought to be four does not make it true. You might say, well, my experience tells me that two plus five is four. Well, I'm really sorry about your experience. That's not truth. Some might say, well, but I just identify with two plus one being four. Well, it doesn't matter what you identify with. That's not the truth. Some would say, but it's popular to say two plus 12 equals four. It doesn't matter if it's popular or not. Two plus two is four. You say, but I found so many other people. I mean, I found lots of websites, news outlets that say two plus seven is four. 
It doesn't matter what other people have said about it. There is only one truth, and that is that two plus two is four. Amen? That's how truth works. And Jesus was emphatic about truth. Jesus lived in a day when truth was also being deconstructed. Truth was being misquoted, misapplied. It was being undermined. It was being replaced with tradition. And Jesus said this in reference to truth. In John 17, Jesus said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. In other words, the words that God speaks are truth. They're not just opinion. They're not just suggestions. They're not just a perspective. They're not just his feelings on the matter. They're not just for religious life only. They are truth for the whole of life. Now, society today likes to take the Bible and disengage it from the reality of life and say, well, it's not relevant anymore. It doesn't apply anymore. It doesn't fit what's going on. I don't know that I agree with it. It doesn't feel right. I don't identify with it. You can do whatever you want with it, but it still stands as true. It is still the truth. And God has given us his word for that purpose. And Jesus said that truth has the power to sanctify us. When you walk in line with the truth, it has the power to redeem you. It has the power to change you. It has the power to humble you. It has the power to make you more like Jesus, sanctify you, set you apart, use you, use you for God's purposes, and be transformed to be like the very character and image of Jesus. That's what he meant by sanctify them by your truth. So when we fall upon the truth, when we recognize the truth, when we embrace it, it changes us. It changes our thoughts, it changes our feelings, it changes our behavior, it changes our worldview, it changes everything about us. When you come in line with truth. But if you resist truth, the opposite happens. If you get to a place where you say, I don't wanna be sanctified by it, then you'll end up calcified by it. You'll end up hardened by it. You'll end up stuck by it. You'll find that your ways don't change. Your heart hardens. You can't break habits. You're the same year after year. You don't understand God's presence. You don't understand God's power because you refuse to submit your life to truth. Jesus said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. We have been given the gospel that is the power of God unto salvation and redemption. Amen? So the Bible says this about itself. About what God has done in revealing himself. Because God has revealed himself to us in his word, the Bible. Now, just for clarity's sake, not every generation from the beginning has had the Bible. Adam and Eve did not have this. Moses did not have this. Abraham did not have this. Daniel did not have this. Matthew did not have this. Paul did not have this. John did not have this. This came as a result of God's completed work through the prophets, priests, disciples, all of that. This is something unique for us. So sad that we neglect the power that has been given to us here in these pages. Let me show you what the Bible says about this word and how God has revealed himself. In Hebrews chapter one, verse one, it says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. In other words, This is in the book of Hebrews, New Testament. And there the writer is saying, in many, many different ways in times past, God spoke. And he spoke in different ways. He spoke through prophets. He spoke through the tabernacle. He spoke through the temple. He spoke through priests. He spoke through people in various ways. And the writer says, this all happened in the past 
that God spoke by the prophets because they did not have this. So God was revealing heaven through the mouths and lives of people that we refer to as prophets. They were speaking the truth of God as he filled them with his Holy Spirit and they spoke what God said. This is how he spoke in times past. It goes on in this chapter one and it says this. Has in these last days spoken to us by his son. In other words, there was a way that he spoke. There was a way that they drew near to God through the tabernacle and through the temple and through these prophets. But in these last days, the writer says, he has spoken to us by his son. Jesus is a better picture than the tabernacle. Jesus is something greater than the temple. Jesus is greater than all the prophets. Jesus is greater than any angel. Jesus is the one that God has fully and finally revealed himself through. There was a way, but now Jesus is the way. He doesn't use that way anymore. He used Jesus. And so the writer of Hebrews lays this out clearly for us. There was a time when Jesus had not completed his work and God spoke through prophets. There was a time that the church had not yet been established and God spoke through prophets. There was a time that the scriptures had not yet been completed and God spoke through prophets. But when Jesus died, rose again, and ascended back to heaven, his work was finished. When the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament time was completed, the scriptures were finished. When the apostles established the church and the writings of the New Testament were completed, the church was established. And there was no longer the need for what once was. You and I did not come this morning to this place to bring a lamb for a sacrifice because the spotless lamb of God has become our sacrifice. Amen? We don't have to rely upon, here's a hint of where our podcast goes, we don't rely upon unique prophets anymore because God did that then, but in this day, he has spoken clearly through his son. And the word of God records all of that for us. And it is now the primary way that God speaks to us. It is truth. Amen? So the scripture goes on. It says this about itself in 2 Timothy. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. He empowered those who wrote. They weren't just random they weren't just feeling a creative moment. God moved in them and they wrote. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, that you and I might have everything that we need right here. We don't need anything else. We don't need another person to tell us the latest thing that God has said. He has spoken here and he has spoken clearly here. Amen? This is where we rest our faith on the truth. The Bible doesn't just have some truth. It is the truth. The Bible doesn't need updating to match our day. Our day needs updating to match the Bible. Amen? The Bible has the power alone to cause someone to be saved, for their heart to be changed, for their marriage to be radically reconciled, for a life to be healed, for emotions and mental issues to be resolved and healed, for someone to walk in truth in Jesus' name. The Bible is not just a book for religious life. It is the book for life. We base our faith on it. We base our marriages on it. We base our parenting on it. And we base our church here on it. We're not looking for what's popular out in the culture so we can see what to do. We don't just get in a room and say, I don't know, what do you want to do? We look to scripture and say, God, what do you say about your word? This is where we will build our lives. This is what we will build the church upon. This is your word. Second Timothy goes on to say, so that we might be thoroughly equipped for every 
good work. So as the church, we have a high responsibility. We have a responsibility to uphold this word. We have the responsibility to rightly divide the word of truth. We have the responsibility to walk in this truth. We have the responsibility to speak this truth in love. We have the responsibility to go to someone who has erred from the truth and help them come back in line with the truth. We have the responsibility to build our lives upon this, regardless of what others might say, regardless of what the culture might say. We build our lives here. We stand here. Amen? Not on anything else. Now, I want to use our board here for just a minute to talk about some things that sometimes happens today outside the church and inside the church when it comes to truth. And we're going off of this truth from scripture that the Bible is truth. It doesn't just contain truth. It doesn't just hint at it. It is the truth. Now, there are some things today that people lean on instead of the Bible for truth. And so, like Martin Luther, we're going to bring those out into the daylight today. My goal, I'll tell you up front, is not to embarrass. My goal is not to harm. My goal is to do what Jesus said for us to walk in truth and that the truth makes us free. Amen? So I hope you'll hear the spirit already of what is being proclaimed today and what the Bible has to say and what the spirit of truth is saying within us. Because here are some things that we want to make sure that we don't look to for truth. So let's just make a list here of not truth by these things. I hope you're taking notes. We've got a little bit to do here on the board today. So here's some things that truth is not to come by. Truth does not come by my feelings. Man, this is what's popular today. Well, I just don't feel like that could be true. Well, I just don't feel right about that. Well, it just makes me feel funny to think that way. Well, it just seems weird that that would be what God would say. Your feelings don't play into the matter when it comes to truth. Our responsibility is to bring our feelings in line with truth, not bring the truth in line with our feelings. Hello? We don't follow an emotion. We follow a Savior who is the way and the truth. And so this must be what we guard. We do not listen to our feelings. Man, that creeps over into the church sometimes. We get into a service like this, or you get into a devotional time, or you're talking with a friend, and you come across truth. And it might be even uncomfortable to you. And it makes you feel a certain way. This is where the Bible recognizes that those feelings exist, but we do not lean into them and we do not look to them. We make them be a servant to the truth. Hello? When I was a young Christian, there were days that I didn't feel saved because I was looking to the feeling that I had when I was first saved. And I would go along and think, well, I just don't feel saved anymore. I just don't feel, I don't have those same feelings that I had anymore. And I tried to chase the feelings for a while. It got me nowhere until someone pointed me to truth that reminded me, if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. It's finished, it's done. And I made my feelings get in line with the truth on that day. And I've been doing it ever since. I don't let my feelings dictate the direction. Truth dictates my direction. Amen? Another thing that's happening today, especially in the, in the world, is truth is my urges. Well, I just have this desire to want to do this thing. I just have an urge to feel this certain way about myself. 
about my identity. And this feeling is so strong. It's just a feeling I can't let go. And so people today in the culture are acting on their urges and being encouraged by many. Well, if you feel that way, that must be who you are. That is such a lie from Satan. The Bible acknowledges that there are certain urges. But I don't give in to those urges. The Bible calls them temptations. The Bible calls them the flesh. And I'm called to walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. I'm to crucify the flesh. I'm to say, flesh, you don't get to be in charge here. Flesh, you don't get to run the show. Flesh, you don't get to determine what's truth. It doesn't matter what you feel, what urge you have, what appetite you have, what you want to identify with. That's not the truth. Amen? But people look to that today. But this is not how truth comes. Truth comes by the word of God. And some people like to say, well, uh, my experience though, my experience just tells me something different. I've been in this situation. I've been in this relationship. I've been in this teaching. And I've had this experience. And people want to build their life on their experiences. I get it. They feel so real. And they are. But that doesn't mean they are truth. I've had a lot of experiences that I didn't need to have. Hello. Anybody ever done something that you knew you shouldn't have done? Okay. Everybody, anybody ever committed a sin that in the moment felt pleasurable? Yes. Just because you had an experience doesn't mean that it was the truth. It's the kind of thing you, you recognize but you repent of it and you turn and come to the truth. Your experience alone is not truth. But in a culture today that has taken God and removed him, all they are left with is this trinity. Their feelings, their urges, and their experiences. And if you take God out of the equation, take the Bible out of the equation, remove church from the equation, take the spirit of God out of the equation, this is where people live. This is why there's a worldview conflict. This is why there's such opposition to the church today. Because people have made themselves the truth. The other one is my understanding. Man, college campuses today teaching a different way, a different look, a different worldview, a different way of thinking. But all of man's thinking apart from God, the Bible says is twisted. It is perverse. In fact, Romans 1 says that when you remove God from the equation, that he gives the people over to a confused mind. And they do things that are not fitting. And so if you're chasing your own understanding, your own logic, if you're coming at the Bible saying, well, I'll believe the parts that make sense to me. I'll believe the parts that I can wrap my mind around. I'll believe the parts that seemingly will work out successful for me. When you do that, you are totally ignoring what the Bible says. Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Yeah, that's not how truth comes. Truth doesn't come by my understanding. I bring my mind in line with truth. Man, there's been a lot of things that I have chosen to do out of faith that in the moment... I didn't understand how in the world that was going to work out. There were times I took a leap of faith to trust God in a situation that did not make any logical sense to me. But God proved himself faithful. It doesn't make logical sense to get a paycheck at the beginning of the week and know that you need pretty much every bit of that and to hear God say, trust me with the first 10% of this. There's a part of that that doesn't seem logical. Hello? Right? But you act on faith and you watch him provide in ways greater than if you had not. Because faith is not a function of your mind. Faith is a function of your spirit. Truth comes by the word of God. Also, what is not truth is modern science. Man, have you heard the phrase, trust the science? Look here, science is not truth. Stay with me. Science is the discovery of facts. That's what it is. When you are a scientist, 
You are working in situations in an attempt to discover facts. But facts even are not truth. Because two people can sit down and look at the facts of what we have on planet Earth and our history here on planet Earth. And based on those facts, one comes to the conclusion that the Earth is some 50 million years old. And the other one says, no, the Earth is somewhere 6,000 years old. How do you get to such radically different positions when you say you both use science? Because each use a set of facts based on their worldview. You come to conclusions not based on science, but by your worldview. It's the same reason that two people sit down together and see a pregnant woman and say, one says, that's not a life. You can take it if you want. And the other says, no, that is a precious life that has been designed by God and it would be murder to abort that baby. Two different worldviews. Same facts. Same science. Different worldview. Truth is not science. Truth is what God says. And I don't want to hear someone tell me trust the science or even trust the facts. I want to hear the believer in Jesus Christ who trusts God's word tell me how they interpret the facts. Remember this. Science is not truth. Modern Psychology is not truth. Modern psychology denies the existence of God. Modern psychology denies that there is a spirit inside me. Not just the spirit of God, but that I have a spirit, a conscience, that I have a, a vacuum inside that can only be filled by God, that is in need of it being redeemed and filled with the Holy Spirit. Modern psychology, world psychology rejects all of that and says, no, you are a set of experiences and feelings and you have had some things done to you and have happened in your life and now you own the label of what happened to you and you own that label and you'll never be anything greater than that label. And now you must operate in that label. And you can never be free from that label. All you can do is hopefully medicate and educate and work yourself into a better label, maybe. But you can't ever escape who you really are. The gospel of Jesus Christ says, no, all who are sinners come to me. And there is salvation and redemption and a new name written for you in the Lamb's Book of Life. There is healing, there is redemption, there is change. There is change and healing for the mind. There is change and healing for the emotions. You are not what you have done, you are what Jesus has done for you if you put your faith in him. That's truth, amen? Social philosophy is not truth. Social philosophy today wants to remove God or has removed God from all aspects of life and interactions in our culture. And in, in its place has put another God, has put something else that is to be the provider and the protector and the distributor and the one who says what rights you have and what you can do and what you can't do. Modern social philosophy says government is God. They are the provider they are the one who tell you what to do. It's no longer about your freedoms, it's about their control. So I'll just make a quick election statement here. I'm looking to vote for those who believe that there is a God, that there is a freedom, and that I'm destined for it in him. I'm not looking for those who want the government to be God. I'm not looking for those who want to limit my freedom. I'm not looking for those who want to take away from what we have so that they can have more of what I have. I want to have the freedom that God has given me and I'm given that right by God, not by government. All right, we'll move on from there. Let's move on to uh, number eight because another problem we have today in our culture that says what truth is is what is true for you but not me. This is the most prevailing theme in our day oh, you can keep your Christianity stuff as long as you keep it over there. That's your truth. That's not my truth. 
Well, now we're back to the whole, what is two, what is four? Is it two plus two or is it two plus seven? Which one is it? There's only one truth. There's not a truth for me, true for you. There's one truth and you either walk in step with it or you're denying it or you're walking rebellion to it or you're resisting it. All of this is under this philosophy, this belief of relativism that's true for you but not for me. And the Bible has no place where it says that truth is relative. It is truth and it stands as truth. Another one today that people look to is whatever is popular. We've kind of talked about this already. Is that Whatever the masses say is what truth is. Whatever the media says is what truth is. Please don't think that. Whatever's going on out there. Well, I heard it today on the news. It must be true. Well, I heard it all over the internet. It must be true. Well, all my friends are saying it. It must be true. No! It doesn't matter what the masses say. It doesn't matter what organized media says. It doesn't matter what a whole group of friends says. If the whole world turns against it, that doesn't make it true. Truth is what God says is true. Now, this has all been somewhat comfortable. Let's get to the uncomfortable part for just a little bit here. You okay with that? Well, okay for, <clears throat> for God to work a little bit deeper in our hearts here. Here are some things that are also not the source of truth. Religious traditions. Trust me, I'm all for tradition. But I want to keep the traditions that God says are the traditions. We're baptizing today. We take communion periodically. We're gathering as a church. We worship the Lord. We read scripture. We pray. We meet in groups to make disciples. These are the traditions handed down to us from the Bible. The church is meant to be the source for teaching, the one who makes disciples. The church is not to be the one who controls our lives. Just as Martin Luther said, this whole thing's gotten out of control. The church is not meant to be a controlling organization. It's meant to be a life-giving organization. It's meant to be the one who encourages people to walk in truth. In the New Testament, in the book of Acts, there was a group of um, believers in the town of Berea that were, um, that were recognized. They're lifted up. And it said they were more noble than those from Thessalonica because they heard what Paul had to say and then they went home and they searched the scriptures to see if it was true. That is what I hope you do. I hope you don't look to the church or me as your one source for growing in a faith. That's not the function of the church. The function of the church is to encourage you to grow in your faith, to own your identity in Christ, to grow up into maturity in Christ, to act in the power of the Spirit, to recognize the gifts that have been given to you. Your traditions in a church and religion alone are not truth by themselves. Amen? What also is not truth? Dreams. Dreams are weird. I tell Heather I dream almost every night. Sometimes they're pleasant. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes I don't want to talk about them the next day because the thing you talk about, you end up remembering. And some of that stuff, I don't want to remember. I don't know if it was the burrito I had yesterday. I don't know if it was the late night coffee that I had. I don't know if it was something I watched, something I, I don't know what it is, but I know what it is not. It is not truth. Someone came to me last week and said, oh, I'm just so troubled. I'm just so troubled. I'm upset. I uh, had a dream last night and it was some very, very weird stuff that I was doing and I'm just so troubled this morning. I thought, well, that's not real. Your dreams are not truth. Your dreams are are something you have, but listen to me. God has spoken through his word and by his spirit. He doesn't need as something as ambiguous and odd and strange as a dream to try to tell you something. Now, if you have a dream 
and it ends up being in accordance with God's word and it ends up glorifying Jesus in it and it ends up calling you to a greater place of responsibility and accountability before God, I'm glad you had that dream. But let me tell you, God in times past spoke through prophets and dreams. That is not his primary way. Do not think that because you had some odd, weird dream that God was speaking some new truth to you. God doesn't speak anything new that doesn't fit with what's right here in his word. Do you hear me? Do you understand what I'm saying? Along that same line, I would also put in that We'll just get real uncomfortable here. Prophetic dreams. Let's just bring it on over into the church for just a moment. Because there are some who would say, I had this dream and God has told me to tell you that you need to move to Kansas. Really? Okay. I wonder why he didn't tell me that. He told me to tell you that. That's why. Look here. Jesus died and paid for your sin so that you could enter the throne room of heaven boldly, so that you become a priest unto God, so that he speaks to you. I don't have to go to people in my life and say, what's God telling you for me? Oh, please tell me what's God, tell what's God saying to you about me? I don't know what to do. Please tell me what God's saying to you about me. No, I can go straight to the throne room of God and say, God, what do you want to say to me? And it will be consistent with this. I don't have to have fear and uncertainty and doubt. I don't have to look to certain people who say they have prophetic dreams to be my answer, to be my savior, to be the one who reveals truth to me. I can walk right up into the throne and hear truth myself. This is what we ought to be free to do and not live in fear or anxiety about what someone else told us about us that we ought to do. That is not how God reveals himself. Now, I will say, if you have something that you wanna come say to me or anyone else that has been an encouragement to you as you have prayed and read God's word, if you wanna go to someone and say, hey, I just wanna reassure you that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. I say, score. You just recited God's word and encouraged another believer with it. You didn't have to say, thus saith the Lord to me. You don't have to do that. You can just say it if you are already saying truth because truth comes by scripture alone. Hello? Are you with me? Along with that, I'd also say Revelations. I'm not talking about the book. I'm talking about people who say, God has shown me some fresh revelation. And they tell me it, and it's not something that's even in Scripture at all. And I'm like, dude, I don't know, or dudette, whoever you are, I don't know what you heard but if it's not in this Bible right here, you heard wrong. You heard something you shouldn't have heard. Hello? If God's gonna do anything, he will illuminate what he's already spoken rather than reveal some fresh thing that people like to get all giddy about that doesn't match at all with what God has already given us in his word. Amen? Let's go on. Um, number 14 on the list here. It's kind of all go in a package here. I'll just say angels or angelic visitations. People say, an angel met me last night in my room and he told me this. And they tell me what it was. And again, it doesn't even match up with scripture at all. I'm like, I don't know what that was, but I'm pretty confident you shouldn't be calling that an angel. Because God in various times past spoke through angels and prophets. That's not how he speaks anymore. He speaks by his spirit. He speaks by the word of God. He uses angels, but he does not speak through them because he has already spoken about how he's going to speak. Let's move on. Number 15, you're going to think, what in the world is that even doing up there? Mushrooms. What? Are you kidding me? Mushrooms? Yes. 
there are certain mainline denominations and groups in those denominations who to get ready for a worship experience will take something like mushrooms or some other drug to work themselves up into an ecstatic experience so they can hear truth from God. Hello? The Bible says, do not be drunk with wine or mess with mushrooms. You don't need that. You don't need that to be filled with the Spirit of God. You get filled with the Spirit of God and what Jesus has done for you, it'll produce something much longer lasting than a mushroom will do in your life. Hello? I'm almost through here. Number 16, along with this, any ecstatic experience which usually happens in worship. This is similar to that where you get into this moment where you just kind of lose yourself and all of a sudden God starts saying things to you and you go tell everybody else what he said to you and it's not consistent with his word. It's not a revelation based on his word. It's not, a, it's not something influential that comes from his word. It's something you just got in some ecstatic experience. Hey, every religion out there has ecstatic experiences. Be careful what you are listening to in an experience and be driven to what you listen to in the Bible. Number 17, tongues. In the book of Acts, God spoke revelation truth through tongues. It was languages that God used and he interpreted in the ears of people so that they could hear the gospel in their own language. God is not revealing new truth today through tongues. It's not happening because God is not in the business of revealing new truth. It has been given to us in the Bible once and for all settled. And finally, number 18, other spiritual leaders. Do not get caught up in the worship of other people and dependent upon them for your voice of truth. Don't get caught up in them as the way that you somehow connect to God. It's great to come to church. It's great to have a pastor. It's great to have a small group leader. But look, I don't have a pipeline to God that you don't. I have the same pipeline you do through the blood of Jesus. I have the same word of God in my hand that you have in your hand. I have the same ability to pray as you pray. I have a responsibility to lead a church, but please do not think I am the Pope or some spiritual conduit that is greater and different than you. You are encouraged to seek the Lord and hear God's word and be transformed by it. Amen? Amen. Let's wrap this up today. So what do I do? What do I do when I'm faced with any of this stuff? This stuff leads to some dangerous places if you're not careful. What do I do when someone comes to tell me something? What do I do when I feel something? What do I do when I'm walking through a moment? You ask yourself this question. Is it in Scripture? Is this feeling I've got, is that rooted in Scripture? Is this experience I've got, is it rooted in Scripture? Is this thing that someone's telling me, is it rooted in Scripture? This philosophy that's in the world today, is it rooted in Scripture? This opinion that someone shared with me, is it rooted in Scripture? What's popular on the internet and social media, is it rooted in Scripture? This is our go-to. This is what God calls us to. And this is what Jesus said. This is what he meant when he said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. It will lift your heart. It'll free your heart. It'll draw you to the throne room of heaven, and you'll hear God. You'll hear him speak. If you need someone to help you in the process, find someone who can mentor and disciple you. But do not look to some person or an experience to be your truth. God has given us his truth. Amen? Bow your heads with me. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you desire for us to be free. That you desire for us to know truth. That we can know it. We can walk in it. And I pray we would stand on it in the midst of a culture today that is doing everything it can but bow to it. I pray we would be the church, the pillar and the ground of truth who stands strong, who stands unashamed and unafraid to even face persecution. Because like Martin Luther, 
we stand here. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, send in your questions. I'd love to talk about those. Let me ask our ushers to prepare to receive the offering today. And we're gonna close with a baptism today. We've had a lot of baptisms. I'm excited to invite the Sharp family up today. And um, we have talked with them and Micah and I have met with them and they are coming because Reese, their oldest, is gonna be baptized today. So this is Clay, her dad. I'm gonna hand the mic over to Clay and Reese and uh, tell us about what God's doing here. Hey, good morning. We are the Sharps. Where is everybody? Oh, there we go. We are, uh, we're so grateful and uh, excited to celebrate and witness Reese getting baptized with you all this morning. Um, Reese, we're just so proud of you, of your decision, and just every day of how you, uh, you show Riley and Remy how to love Jesus and walk with Jesus. And uh, last couple of weeks, Reese's school, they've been memorizing uh, parts of Ephesians, and she has, uh, she came to us the other day wanting to uh, share that with you guys. So she's going to share some of Ephesians and it kind of works perfect with what's going on of her getting baptized as well. Reese? And you are dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace we have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him, and heavenly places, Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. For by grace. <laughs> All right. Good job, Reese. All right. Reese, have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Yes. By that, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you all so much. I, I, I get it. When you read the New Testament, John, where it says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Amen. To see children walking in truth like that, come to know the Lord and be baptized. That's what it's all about. Amen. Hey, thanks for being with us today. Hope you'll join us for the rest of our series. Send in your questions here. We're going to close our service here like this. I'll say lift them up. You say live them out. Let's do this. Lift them up and...